0: guys we're back talking about the crucible talking about the crucible play People want to say book but it's actually a play right so when it first starts out in act one the author really goes into kind of what's going on in the town of salem and to kind of give you a little bit of backstory the population was a little bit hairy there's not many records from that but Mm -hmm. when what Trulian University actually mentions is there was about two thousand people to kind of give y'all a scope of how many people there were in the town in Salem. In okay, so oh. it's the town of Salem and uh-huh. then the village surrounding Salem. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's like the city limits and right outside the city limits, mm-hmm. but it was around two thousand people. Cause I kind of needed that to have a better understanding of how many people were experiencing this i guess right is
1: that the size of our town
0: i think our town would actually be bigger oh so i would i mean like and that's why because i kept thinking throughout this whole book my gosh small town life. i
1: know (laughs) oh my gosh Small town life for sure. Like gossip,
0: you know, pointing fingers. Pointing fingers being accused. Grudges. Exactly. Long-term grudges. Yeah. I'm thinking small town life, which we come from a small town, so like I completely relate. A modern day Salem. (laughs) True story. So, okay, so Puritan Society. They say that these people, if they were not at work. They were to be praying, basically. Right. Yeah. Upheld Christian beliefs. Actually, I'm not even gonna go that far. Not even gonna say Christian beliefs. I'm gonna say they upheld religion because yeah. I think that would be Puritan beliefs. Better encompassing. Yeah. Which leads me to. Mm-hmm. So in the very like in the very beginning of Act One, he's going through kind of explaining what the what the town is kind of experiencing at this time, this point in time in history. And there was a, there's a quote in there that says long held hatred of neighbors could now be openly expressed and vengeance taken despite the Bible's charitable injunctions. Land lust, which had been expressed by constant bickering over boundaries and deeds, could now be elevated to the arena of morality. One could cry witch against one's neighbor and feel perfectly justified in the bargain.
1: Mm-hmm. Old scores
0: could be settled on a plane of heavenly combat between lucifer and the lord suspicions and the envy of miserable toward the happy could and did burst out in the general revenge and i was like somebody apparently missed the the church lesson on um the golden rule
1: right <laughs> how would you feel if someone accused you of witchcraft <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> i got my land <laughs> yeah, it's not funny but it's i guess not, it's not but <laughs>
0: think about yeah. it is I'm like somebody apparently missed right. that Sunday. What was
1: that about the justified what is it justified in the bargain? What was the okay, first part of that? So the first
0: part of that says one could cry witch against one's neighbor and feel perfectly justified in the bargain. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how he starts out. And then and I'm and it goes into Reverend Paris praying over his daughter who is gone silly basically mm-hmm. like is in shock we would now know but you know then it was witchcraft so mm-hmm.
1: witch- we wi- being bewitched <laughs>
0: witchcraft was afoot yeah and he immediately starts thinking of himself Because I really feel like that is that character, is he is very selfish-minded, I guess. Right. Um, But he thinks only of himself. He thinks the world is out to get him. And Arthur Miller does a good job in the intro kind of explaining that, Mm -hmm. that Reverend Paris believes, you know, there's factions in the church, but the world in general is out to get him.
1: You see it throughout, and I didn't really touch upon his his character that much um, after the beginning of the movie. But mm-hmm. yes, throughout the movie, it's it's all about him. It is like yeah, <laughs> between even in talking about the church not paying for his firewood, exactly or not giving yes, him enough money. Was a for, scene in the movie yeah. talking about the firewood issue. Ugh. I've got six pence of such and such, whatever pences. <laughs> six pence, seven pence. Anywho, I know Proctor makes a comment about the candlesticks in the church. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, other um, ministers had been fine with pewter, I think. Mm -hmm. But he kept preaching and hounding on gold candlesticks, gold candlesticks. Mm -hmm. And so they finally get him some gold candlesticks. (laughs) (laughs) They finally get him some gold candlesticks. And Proctor... Proctor basically says that he has a hard time going to the church and seeing his money put on
1: display like that. Right. It weakened his prayer or it... Yeah, it it affected his... It affected his his prayer. Yeah, Yeah, that's how I put it. So,
0: you know, I think that really kind of... Plays into that role. So in Act One, he's praying over Betty, hoping, hoping first of all that she gets better. Mm -hmm. He's already lost his wife. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, secondly, you know he has his niece Abigail living with him, so he's praying over Betty, but. Even in the very beginning, he starts talking about how the townspeople are already talking about witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And he is extremely worried that they are going to think, you know, of his household having anything to do with that. Right. And so he starts interrogating Abigail about what he witnessed in the woods. Mm -hmm. And I will say this in reference to the movie and the play but they really kind of give you a visual aid to what he may have seen and whether or not i know that it's up for some debate on
1: how how graphic how graphic
0: yeah because when i read it in the book it was referring to like the chicken blood but that comes out later and it kind of grossed me out in the movie but yeah
1: it was gross
0: so then we have townspeople coming to gawk at betty and see oh. what's happening. Yeah. And something that I like I was super thankful for about the movie was the fact that in the book I couldn't wrap my head around it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, okay, why are the towns why are all the townspeople in his house? Like mm-hmm. some of the main crucial characters in this play come in to kind of see what's going on with Betty. Mm-hmm. But They were saying, you know, there's people downstairs. Like, you need to address them, Reverend Harris. Like, you need to address them. And I couldn't wrap my head around that because I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I ain't
1: going to have that many people in my house. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm -mm. y'all need to leave. Why are you here in the first place? I mean, now it's like someone knocks on the door. Who is that? (laughs) True story. Why is someone here?
0: (laughs) Anyway. Anyways. Um, but that's what I kept thinking is like, okay, are they in the parlor or are they, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know houses back then, but Mm -hmm. like I'm thinking, are they in the living area? Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so in the movie, I'm like. Okay. So the upstairs was kind of like the pastorium mm-hmm. and the downstairs was like the church. And so oh, okay. the congregation yeah. had gathered waiting on Reverend Paris to address them about what's happening what's in their, happening town. their
1: town. Yeah. And
0: I was like, Thank you for that visual because uh-huh. like I could
1: not wrap my head around it. When you first said that, because I honestly I haven't read the play. I watched the movie but I haven't read the play. In quite some time. All I was thinking was, are they all in the window? Are they all looking in the window at her? I'm going to peek. <laughs> I'm going to peek in the window. No, that makes a lot more sense if, if it was like his home was upstairs, the congregation, congregation church. the church like, was yeah. in the downstairs. That makes sense. It made
0: so much more sense to me. And so, again, I kind of think it's a little weird that people just feel compelled to come up and gawk mm-hmm. at Betty in her room. Mm-hmm. like, And also of looking at the symbolic stuff the bedroom is the most intimate part of your house right and so honestly when i thought this was pretty cool actually you really start to see the dynamics between the characters in that Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of like it exposes it's more intimate Right. And, and you really see Thomas Putnam's landlust and oh, his yes. his crave for power. And then you see Miss Putnam's almost like dissociative behavior. She's kinda She's she, out
1: there. Yeah, she's she, out
0: there at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. She's having like dreams and she thinks that people have killed her babies and Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like she's gone through she's got like PTSD or and some like kind super, of trauma from yeah. losing her
0: children. Maybe even postpartum because right. it doesn't really address how long it's been. Right. And really with her to kind of delve into that character. The problem was and I don't remember how many children she had, but they would they would be born completely healthy
1: and then die. Possibly sids, maybe. Possibly, you know, it's 1692. There's yeah. a lot of things There's a lot that of things that can go wrong. Would die from. But she, you know, she keeps
0: saying they were born healthy. They looked mm-hmm. like You know, healthy babies, what happened? And maybe the devil's, you know, involved because it's always the
1: devil. Or it could have been her perception that they were healthy. Exactly. And maybe they they really weren't. Maybe they
0: had like a, you know, some kind of um, disorder or something. Mm -hmm. So you start to see those two. You also see the hatred between Reverend Paris and John Proctor. Mm -hmm. You see the disdain there because John Proctor thinks he's out for money. Mm -hmm. He thinks he is really leading the townspeople and congregation astray. Right. He doesn't feel like he needed to be in that. Right. In that role. And in that relationship, I guess I should say, Reverend Paris really kind of feels like he's better than John Proctor. I mean he thinks he's better than everybody. But right. John Proctor yeah. John Proctor in particular because he's saying, you know, you haven't been to, to church church meeting mm-hmm. in so long
1: and mm-hmm. you can really see that dynamic there. And it's not the focus I mean, I think that hurt John Proctor's character in the long run that he hadn't been in the church, even though he had a very valid reason mm-hmm. as to why he wasn't present.
0: Yeah. He even made mention of not having his baby baptized in right. the church because, I forgot about yeah, that yeah. because
1: he didn't want his hands on him. Right. He had that much disdain. For For Reverend Reverend Harris, his other kids were baptized by somebody else. They were, and then Reverend Harris
0: came, and he just did not want them. He didn't want him to be baptized. Um, That was another point of contention. Mm -hmm. Now Giles Corey also is in there, but it really doesn't show a whole lot in regards to him. Or I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. The other main main player in this first act would be Rebecca Nurse.
1: Oh, yeah. She comes
0: in. And you really see how people view her. Mm-hmm. She is saintly. You know, mm-hmm. she's known for her charitable works. And so you, you really see the respect, especially between John Proctor and her. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit between John Proctor and Abigail, which I felt like in the, in the play, it really took place in the room, where in the movie, it was outside. It was outside
1: behind yeah. the house or so that behind was a, a little, building. It was a little
0: different in yeah. that aspect. But Abigail basically tells him that they were caught dancing in the woods at that point.
1: Right. We were sporting in the woods yeah. is all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no big deal. But you can tell, as you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, you can really see her innocence. Right. But she's also... Desperately wanting his affection and yes. attention. Yes. Yes.
1: Desperate for him. Yes. Yeah.
0: Begging for it. Yeah. So that really takes place in the first act. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention: he, Arthur Miller, makes references throughout Act One a little bit and kind of alludes to the communism. That is taking place now in the 1950s. Um, so in Act 1, it says the analogy, however, seems to falter when one considers that while there were no witches then, there are communists and capitalists now. And in each camp, there is a certain proof that spies of each side are at work undermining the other. Hmm so he tries to relate that and make parallels to that even
1: in even within the play even within the play so mm-hmm. would those be considered anachronisms things that wouldn't wouldn't have been present in the time period like things haven't have not been in, would communist, communism even be a thing in 1692 i don't think so i mean so. because that's set in the pres- yeah. you know if that's set in 1692 and he mentions communism and capitalism then that makes me think anachronism something okay. that yeah. wouldn't be yeah uh in the present time I period. get what you're saying they mentioned uh another they mentioned the word pregnant and i i think it was in imdb um they mentioned that the word pregnant would not mean with child at that point in time really mm-hmm. yeah Hmm. more like a I know there's like pregnant pause where you have a long pause I think it would be more it would have been used in that sense not in in being with child yeah yeah sorry I didn't mean to throw you off no no you're fine
0: (laughs) I was like wait a minute (laughs) okay so act two I'm I'm kind of skipping all around y'all bear with me my brain is like fried this week Every week we have every week. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lie. Every week. Every week. Yeah, (laughs) I'm looking at like ten pages of notes, and I could not condense. So, (laughs) bear with me. We're getting through. Scattered. We're getting through it. So, in Act Two, Crystal had mentioned you really start to see the dynamics between Elizabeth and John, and you can tell that it has been cold as mm-hmm. he even put it, as of late, and, and really since his indiscretion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she knew, you know, I think as a wife, like, you, you can sense. And mm-hmm. even if she didn't catch them in the act, like, right. she knew that she his knew. heart had strayed. Right. But what really struck me, and I saw it more in the movie than I did in the play, so I'm going off on that tangent. Take that as you will. Yeah. Take that as you will. I really saw in the movie where... It wasn't so much that Elizabeth hadn't forgiven him. It was more
1: of his guilt. Right. It was in between them.
0: It was. And, and neither one
1: knew how to move forward. They, they didn't. didn't know how to move past it.
0: And even, like, she made some comment about him being a good man mm-hmm. in that moment in act two. But it's almost like he can't mentally get past that.
1: He can't. He almost Move thinks, on. like, maybe she's saying it with sarcasm. Ma- yeah. Yeah, or something. Like, it's not, uh, what's the word? It's not sincere. hmm
0: mm-hmm. And you know how when you feel guilty about something, or I, I've done this, I can say, when you feel, like, a crazy amount of guilt, you will sometimes project it on the other person. Right. hmm And I saw that in that moment. Like, it was, it was like he can't get past it. And she is still cold towards him. But it was it was like he just kept living Cash, with that yeah. guilt, so that that really touched my heart a little mm-hmm. bit. You you saw him struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Also, like we talked about in the book, I really felt like Mary Warren giving her the what they call it, poppet, the poppet, poppet. Yeah. Do you keep puppets? <laughs>
1: When not she, since I was a child, sir. <laughs> when she gave her that in the book, immediately I thought, here comes trouble. There was no, you just know, like, yeah. why? That's not good. Not, no weird. good will come from this.
0: Exactly. And in the movie, I saw more of her innocence with all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped too. But like I said, with the play, I was, I immediately thought, mm, She's doing it on
1: purpose. She's yeah. going to incriminate her with
0: the doll. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. So I felt like I could relate more, I guess, with Mary Warren's character in the movie than right. I could in the
1: play. And maybe maybe the intention of Miller was different compared to the intention of the director in the movie. Yeah, I mean, that could, could be. be. They wanted to portray Mary in a better light compared mm-hmm. to what is in the play. Because people might have that uh, opinion yeah. of her. And really, you think about it.
0: And she was a young girl. She was. And I think too i'm kind of interested to, to know what you think about this but i think you know they talk about like frontal lobes not being fully developed and you think that you're invincible oh yes i think that they had no real concept of life and death
1: oh yeah
0: they didn't realize okay my actions accusi- my I... actions or accusations ...are ultimately going to lead to this person no longer being in the world. Dying.
1: (laughs) You know. Dead. Being hanged. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you are so right. Yeah, Uh, because these were
0: young girls. Young
1: teenage... Teenage invincibility, number one, they think... And actions don't have consequences. Mm -hmm. And we're not downing teenagers by any means. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense that maybe they did not understand the scope of their actions i'm not sure maybe abigail did i kind of see her a little bit older understanding what the implications would be of her actions but again those young girls getting caught up in the moment and then it's kind of like once that does happen once they do have the first hanging there's no going back Mm -mm. yeah there's no going back because you are incriminating yourself and you will have blood on your hands yeah um almost literally because you sentenced these people to death. Yeah. So, but that's a really interesting concept that I did not yeah. think about. I literally just thought about that. And that's I was like, amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, because they were so much Abigail was probably around 16 or 17, but the other girls Young. it seemed were yeah. younger, and mm-hmm. especially Betty.
1: Betty, yeah, um, definitely.
0: So, yeah, I really don't know that they knew the, understood the that understood that
1: of what they yeah. were doing. Maybe not in the beginning anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, just like they were dancing in the woods and they probably didn't think that much about it either until mm-hmm. they got caught. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it like, oh, it's like, oh, whoa. oh, whoa, we have done some wrong. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that was maybe Miller, I don't know, like if he had any kind of interaction with people in, in the real world when he was writing this and he had that kind of insight mm-hmm. to... The generation at the time. I feel like the generation in the 50s, the younger people were probably very innocent, especially compared to like our, the yeah. age group now compared to the 50s, probably much more innocent, wide-eyed, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So very interesting to think about. Yeah. So. <laughs> moving on to Act 3. <laughs> okay.
0: So I, I wrote down some notes in regards to Act 3. And this is really when the court cases are being held mm-hmm. so act three so act three when and this is when a lot of the court cases are coming through and i thought it was really interesting that danforth at one point makes it known what the whole basis for this is and he says i pray you mr paris do you know mr proctor that the entire contention of the state in these trials is that the voice of heaven is speaking through these children. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you like, think,
1: how can uh, you be that dumb? <laughs> <laughs> or blind, really. And I
0: think in the movie it mentions it too. It and I can't remember yeah. how it's worded. It's something about, like, this is the invisible crime. They're like the
1: mouthpiece of heaven Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. So you're trusting a bunch of young teenage girls. With people's lives. With people's lives. And no evidence except for there were... Against the other people's, and, other persons.
0: And I don't know that we really mentioned it in your segment, but it was just so incredibly bizarre that it wasn't even that you were witnessing these people at your, like, your door frame at night. Right. It was their spirit. It was their spirit. Their spirit, spirit
1: had, had come, come upon, upon you, you and, you know. It, so you you get a sore throat or your crops die or just something bad happens, and you're automatically blaming the person who you dislike or who you have a problem with already. Just so happens, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, Putnam, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you you blame them, mm-hmm. and they believe it. And I just I can't, and you can't, can't fathom it. But honestly, Alita, like again, today's climate. It fake happened. news you read something on facebook and you automatically assume and i'm not saying you no but you know these people people out there read these things fake news um <laughs> they read these things we, <laughs> and they take them for truth they with do. no other no evidence. evidence no evidence
0: alita's little plug please investigate everything check your check your sources yeah and i'll put my little tinfoil hat on and <laughs> investigate everything yeah yeah don't take anybody's word as true
1: and so you should i mean that is a great lesson to take if you are if you're i hate to say like if you're in education or if you're in school right now and you're taking a class or you're doing whatever or you use it in your in your life It's something to take away. Like, you can look at this play and think, oh my gosh, how stupid. You know, how How could could they they possibly believe this? But honestly, okay, so fast forward, here we are, and there are things that people believe that have been debunked. Disproven. Disproven. Absolutely made up. Mm-hmm. And people, there are still plenty of people out in the world or out in the in the U.S. that, that mm-hmm. do believe it. So, again, take that. Like, okay, well, maybe I need to have some insight the next time I come across something that looks suspicious. Maybe I should question it. Okay. So, I have to make note of this because
0: I remember you saw this, too. And this is just a good point to prove this. So, on Facebook newsfeed, you know, where you get all the great news, mm-hmm. there's this little world. And it says... Oh. <laughs> Please share and pray for this little girl who has a debilitating skin disease. Y'all, she had ham on her face. She had
1: ham on her face with. The, she had bitten out holes for her eyes and her mouth and her nose. And people shared it and believed it. It's a piece of ham, and someone even commented on the person that shared it. Um, so and so, this is a kid with ham on their face. All I'm gonna say here is, let us pray. <laughs> Read The Crucible, <laughs> and then uh, inspect your life. <laughs> Reflect. Reflect on your exactly. decision. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I can't stop. So,
0: I was, I was shocked, and in both reading this and seeing it, but when Abigail, like, throws it back at Danforth, oh, yes. and you almost see his fear mm-hmm. with her, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking... Okay, now this high judge, who wears the buckle, (laughs) he is terrified of this, like, 17-year-old. Yeah. Because she says, in an open threat, it says, Let you beware, Mr. Danforth. Think you be so mighty that the power of hell may not turn your wits? Beware of it. I'm like... Mm, She's starting to starting to, She's starting to even turn on Mm -hmm. Danforth, who has believed her through this whole thing. Right. You know? So... I also made note, and we talked about this with um, John throwing Abigail under the bus, right? And so he says, "In the proper place where my beasts are bedded."
1: Oh, talking
0: about you know where it, I forgot where it about happened. that part, and I thought it was really interesting. He says, "On the last night of my joy, some eight months past." Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if he's necessarily referring to the actions uh-huh. at that point, which it, I kind of don't think so. I think it was more, again, he's only felt guilt since that time. right? Yeah. You know. But he says, on the last night of my joy, some eight months past, she used to serve me in my house, sir. And he has to clamp his jaw to keep from weeping. Mm. A man may think that God sleeps, but God sees everything. Mm. I know it now. I beg you, sir, I beg you, see her for what she is. My wife, my dear good wife, took this girl soon after, sir, and put her on the high road. And being what she is, a lump of vanity, sir. Mm. I forgot that line, too. Excellency, forgive me, forgive me. Because he's trying to, you know, hold himself together. Right, he's trying he says, to get it out. She thinks to dance with me on my wife's grave. And well, she might, for I thought, I thought of her softly. God help me, I lusted, and there is a promise in such sweat, but it is a whore's vengeance, and you must see it. I set myself entirely in your hands, I know you must see it now. Mm, I have forgotten
1: those lines. No, no. he doesn't see it. I think, I mean, uh, by this point in Act 3, I really think that things have gotten so out of control that Danforth can't. Even, go back. Even, even if, if he does, he does see does through not it, believe it. Right. He, he just can't, he can't come out and say it was all a sham because... Because what would happen to him? Exactly. He he's signed then so the many death The blood would warrants. be on his hands. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like, yes, he can totally see, but he is, he's higher than Hale, and, I mean, he kind of spurred it on at the beginning anyway, so he just can't, mm-hmm. whatever is presented, he can't change his mind. Yeah.
0: And very shortly after, we talked about this in in regards to the movie, but Hale turns at this point, and this is really his turning point. He says to Danforth, Excellency, it is a natural lie to tell. I beg you, stop now Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. another is condemned. I may shut my conscience to it, but no more. Private vengeance is working through this testimony. From the beginning, this man has struck me true. By my oath to heaven, I believe him now, and I pray you call back his wife.
1: So, I forgot to mention the quote from, or the passage that you read that was John's um, lines. Yeah, 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 Extremely powerful. Absolutely. And the same thing with Hale at this moment, mm-hmm. just pleading mm-hmm. and, and again, throwing himself under the bus. Yeah, he really like, is. Like, I see now, like, and I know this man to be truthful. It's mm-hmm. just very powerful. It is. It is. So, you know, of course they find they find John now
0: guilty of mm-hmm. of witchcraft. And at the very end of this, Hale is and in the movie they're they're outside, but in this, they're still in the courtroom and he starts towards the door and he says, I denounce these proceedings and this is at the end of Act 3.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. And
0: I'm like, he finally sees it. You know, like, he saw it really right. before and he mentions it. But, like, now he's calling the court out. He's saying, I
1: denounce this. Like, I am. So, that took place in the courthouse. It did. And he, like, walks out of the courthouse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we failed to mention, but in the movie, it takes place outside because I can't remember who. Mary ran outside first. Mm-hmm hysterical Mm -hmm. because again Abigail was then condemning her condemning her and so she she had to literally get away from it and they all follow her into the water and thrash and people are worried about them drowning so I think I guess cinematically is that a word cinematically (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna go with it (laughs) I guess to to have a visual and make it much stronger as almost kind of a climax mm-hmm. that they have these people like running out into the water and, and the girls are hysterical and John is following Mary because trying she's to hysterical trying to reason with her trying her trying to get her to go back on what she was saying before and that's at the end of all of that drama Hale is done mm-hmm. he's like i'm done with this it's, and yeah it's i nonsense. denounce these proceedings and he
0: leaves mm-hmm. so something that is different than the movie was, was titiba after she like had her first little scene in the movie like you don't see her again mm-hmm. and in the very beginning of act four it shows her and sarah good and they know that they are condemned to die that day and it's almost like someone who has been in, like, solita- solitary confinement, mm-hmm. they kind of go crazy after a mm-hmm. while. So these two are, ugh, I'm sorry, Tituba and um, Sarah Good, basically the beggar. The beggar lady from the beginning. So yeah. they are having this full-blown conversation about how the devil's coming for them. Oh. Yeah, take him back to Barbados because he can't stand this place. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> devil take me away i thought it was interesting i'm like okay so maybe several months in jail has has just made really them... shifted and
1: i mean yeah. to be around the fervor and the hysteria mm-hmm. kind of makes sense to me it that does. they would assume like yep yeah, well the devil's coming for us because mm-hmm. obviously he's You know, here in Salem, (laughs) and we gotta go.
0: (laughs) I was like, that's kind of interesting, though. Like you see, it's like they're
1: already accused. It's kind of like, yeah, sure. I was, you know, you're gonna accuse me anyway Mm -hmm. of of this. So sure. And they
0: even they even tell the guard that he can come with them. That's nice. (laughs) And he's drunk. The guard's drunk. (laughs) Interesting. Typical. (laughs) True story. Oh goodness. I also thought that it was interesting in Act Four. I'm going to butcher the name. I think it's a
1: little. It's like Hathorn. He, he going and, back to like high school and the. Oh, how am I going to pronounce the name? I know.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm like Hathorn. It's not Hawthorne. It's. Mm-hmm. It looks like Hathorn. Mm-hmm. Um, he and Danforth were kind of now. Danforth was like the high judge, but Hathorn was also in the proceedings, mm-hmm. and. He's, they're talking in this instance about Reverend Paris Mm -hmm. and they're basically saying that he's gone mad. Oh. And that was interesting to me. And so they're kind of like explaining, and this was, they're kind of talking about the knife scene that you see in the movie. Uh All that he's dealt with Mm -hmm. since the um, trials. And so they're saying that he's gone mad Oh. And Hathorn says, I met him yesterday coming out of his house, and I met him good morning, and he wept and went his way. I think it is not well the village sees him so unsteady.
1: Well, I'm sure he's just torn up I about kind of feel everything. like the weight of Yeah, everything. the weight of everything is getting
0: to him at this point. So, in that same instance, it talks about what has really taken place in Salem after the fact? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, that hit me mm-hmm. because I hadn't thought about this. And mm-hmm. it says, there be so many cows wandering the high roads now that their masters are in jail. Mm. And much disagreement for who they will belong to now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Mr. Paris, or Reverend Paris has been involved in those disagreements because he's having to sort that out with people. And so that's weighing on him too. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you don't think about the implications between... Or, you know, with that as well because you now have all these farmers who had land that needed to be tended. Yeah. And they have crops rotting in the fields. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and livestock that are just now wandering because they don't have a
1: master. So I like that the play has explain this because you can imagine the actual time for like the actual time period and probably yeah that definitely probably took place mm-hmm. and it's crazy to think wow that probably did take place and again things things of that nature like right now with uh the coronavirus and mm-hmm. thinking about like people being not you know they're not in prison but they're stuck in their homes Quarantined and, like, and quarantine and you can't go back to your home and there's things that need to be done and Things that need to be tended to, and you can't. You can't, and that's really interesting that that comes up. Yeah, and something else that was it was extremely moving.
0: Um, aside from Elizabeth and John's um, dialogue Moment, yeah. in Act Four, but also when when John is asked to sign, which. To And I could be wrong about this, but to me, this was held in the jailhouse. It wasn't outdoors. Like, oh, it wasn't okay. a movie. Yeah. So, that's kind of what I mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. But, so, going back to what we discussed in the very first act in regards to John's respect for Rebecca Nurse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of saw her as the town saint. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just had a lot of respect for all the good that she had done. Mm-hmm. So... What was so moving to me in the in the last act was the fact that they brought her in to to bear witness to him signing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that tore him up.
1: Oh, I can imagine because you know? she never confessed, and she
0: was begging him not to. Yes, you know, and it it broke her heart to see him to see him like that in that position. And I was like, oh, it just that that really touch me mm-hmm. along with like the very tender moment that we discussed between right. Elizabeth and John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Play Elizabeth witnesses his hanging from the window oh, of the okay. jail. Hmm. And again they're begging her, like go to him go to him,
1: you know, beg him to So do you so do you think his hanging was not on stage? I wonder. No, I think it was. Oh, okay. Um, I think the way
0: I interpreted this was that it was kind of in the midst of town. Oh, okay. And she could see. She from could the see window. From the window. Yeah. So something I do want to mention that wasn't quite talked about in the in the movie segment, but was really again moving in the last act of the play. Proctor or John is saying. I have three children, how may I teach them to walk like men in the world, and I have sold my friends. And this is in reference to him not only confessing, but signing his name. Right. And and then he says, or Danforth retorts with, you have not sold your friends. And Proctor says, "Beguile me not, I blacken all of them when this is nailed to the church
1: the very day they hang for silence. Right, because he's associated with... Rebecca Nurse. Yeah. And he's associated with Martha Corey. Mm-hmm. And he's associated with these good people who didn't have, confess have stayed silent. And have stayed silent and yeah. That's a powerful oh. uh, line. Or powerful lines.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned his his statement in regards, because it is my name. Yes. But the whole statement in the play Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) So many things. (laughs) He says, because it is my name. Because I cannot have another in my life. Mm -hmm. Because I lie and sign myself to lies. Because I am not worth the dust of the feet of them that hang. How may I live with my name? I have given you my soul. Leave my name. Oh, Chill bumps. I know. I, love that. I have given you my soul, leave me my name. Yeah. Oh man. And then the one last thing that like really hit me was and his eyes were full of tears. It says, I can. There's your first marvel that I can. You have made your magic now. For not I for now, I do think some shred of goodness in John Proctor. Not enough to weave a banner with, but wide enough to keep it from
1: such dogs. Yeah. He finally has. He finally, his I think, goodness. His, yeah. His guilt has and, been absolved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just. Oh, it struck me. Mm-hmm. That really struck me. And I wonder. I mean, again, from Miller's perspective, when he's writing this, was there a shining light? Was there someone who found their goodness in the time frame that he's writing this? Or maybe it was himself when he decided yeah. to be, you know, decided not to give up his the people that they were asking him to give up. You know, maybe that is his.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm sure that's there's research about all of this, but you know, we are but lowly, <laughs> lowly podcasters, lowly podcasters who are who are just wanting to talk about our perspectives and opinions on on what we read and watch.
0: Now, one one last thing he tell and he did tell elizabeth this in the movie as well but he says give them no tears oh. tears pleasure them show honor now show a stony heart and sink them with it oh man i know and i can't imagine her
1: her yeah you know having to witness having that. to witness that and having to try to stay strong for him mhm
0: i just cannot imagine now i'm kind of curious I don't know nowadays that a good name would hold as much weight. Like, Mm. I don't know that people would be that willing to, you know, I mean, that is all you have. Right. And from that perspective, like I see it, but in a situation like that, I can't nowadays taking it to,
1: you know, 2020, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine somebody. Well, yeah, because even like you think about again, going back to the fifties and the time period that it was written feel like a man's reputation was much more powerful. Oh, very true. But I mean I guess it's all perspective on oh. it's <laughs> hard. hard. It is it is a yeah. hard thing to contemplate. Did we want to talk about the scene between John oh, and shoot. Abigail? Yes.
0: Okay. So this but. one was actually taken out of the It was taken out of the original play and mm-hmm. it was listed under the appendix. But it was actually part of the, the movie where John goes to Abigail and actually it was because of Elizabeth's Elizabeth, Elizabeth asking. You oh, know, she yeah. had asked her or asked him to go to her. Yeah. And, and like he, try to convince her to stop, stop this. Right. And um so he tries and
1: she's not having it. She's of course, you know. She's stuck on she's just his her focus is him and it doesn't matter to her. I mean, I guess in her warped sense of mind, she thinks if his wife goes away, he'll come to me. But Never no. mind the resentment. You know, the parallel... You, I think of Gone with the Wind, you know? Okay. Like, with Ashley losing Emily. Was that Emily? Was that his wife's name? Maybe not. <laughs> with Ashley Wilkes losing his wife. I think it was Emily. Maybe not. So, anywho. Anywho. Um... And then Scarlet thinking, I mean, I don't know, Scarlet, I don't think Scarlet was like, oh, great, his wife just died and I'm going to be with him. But, I mean, he confessed that he never loved her in the mm-hmm. first place. And it's like, does she think at any point in time, she really thinks that John is going to be with her after he loses his wife? I mean, he's already let you go once. Yeah. And But anywho, that's just my little inference there. Yeah, but in, in this scene, he basically tells her, I
0: will not let her die for my sins. Right. And I thought that was very strong.
1: Mm hmm And he doesn't. I mean, he he comes out, he tarnishes, he completely destroys his reputation for his wife. I mean, he's trying to save her. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it doesn't, it backfires for him, but in the end, like, he gave up everything. Yeah. Yeah. Except, except his name. Yeah. Except his reputation. Very true. I mean, he confessed to lechery, but... (laughs) There was that. No witchcraft, you know, because that's much worse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So in ending this, I do want to mention that it took them 300 years (sighs) to end up naming all of those who had been affected.
1: Whoa! Yeah, it was 1992. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Also, something I found super interesting and weird was... Nineteen men and women and two dogs, two dogs were convicted dogs. and hanged of witchcraft. They hung
1: the dogs. They did.
0: Like, um, I, I got questions. Were they what, mean? <laughs> were they like snarling? What made you think that they were witches? I, um, have, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then the twentieth person was
1: Giles Corey. What Giles Corey? The person who was pressed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Something else that I I found interesting and. In, It mentioned it in this, and now I can't think of the name. In the book. In In the the, play. In the play. Yeah. It mentioned it, and I can't think... Oh, they don't mention it in the movie, but they start talking in the last act about how there are, in some of the surrounding towns, there's people that are starting to go against the courts.
1: Oh. So, there's a
0: little bit of an uprising on that front, and then come to find out there is a nearby town can't remember the name, but there's a nearby town to Salem where they actually had more accused. Oh, okay. I don't okay. think as many died, but there were actually more accused in that town. So it wasn't just Salem. Mm-hmm. It was some of the surrounding, surrounding area. area that was also affected during this time frame of, like, panic against the devil.
1: And I remember they, they said, of course, in the movie, but also I think it's... um in the play, they start talking about how more and more people are refusing to confess, mm-hmm. and therefore they have a problem because they're just going to hang everyone. Yeah, like, like what the are majority? You gonna do? What are you going to do? You're going to hang everybody? Like, and it almost you think. <laughs> and my friend Chris mentioned this too, and
0: I thought mm, that's interesting too. Was the fact that you're confessing to something supposedly evil to save yourself to save yourself from death from death. <laughs>
1: It, just like how they would it's figure out. It's like the out, world is turned upside down. Right. Like how they'd figure out if you were a witch. If they throw you into the river, if you sunk, you were if if you sunk and drowned, you were a human. But if you floated, <laughs> you were a witch, and then they'd burn you at the stake. So either way, <laughs> you're you're, daughter, you're dying <laughs> if you're accused, like you have no hope. Yeah. Oh, if they sunk, they're dead. Oh, at least they were a good person. They went <laughs> to heaven. Oh, you know, you're a witch, you're floating. <laughs> We're gonna burn you.
0: <laughs> There's no winning in this. No, no.
1: But again, just going back, like it's a, it's such a strong play. It's so insightful. You can use it. I feel like in any time frame. So yeah, I, I think we did an excellent job covering the movie and the play. Why? Thank you. Hats friend. off to you, friends. <laughs> Hats off to you too. <laughs>